Well, good morning, everyone. It's so wonderful to see you and welcome you to Providence Church. My name is Jacob Armstrong. I'm one of the pastors here, and it really is uh, just a, a, a joy and a wonderful time to be together. We welcome you. I know we have folks here for the first time. We're glad you're here, and I want to welcome all those who are joining us uh, online for this service. You know, we've got a bunch of you out there all over the place who uh, have made uh, the priority to join us live for worship right now, and we don't take that for granted, and we welcome you. I do want to let you know about our Easter services that are coming up uh, very soon, April the 8th and April the 9th. We'll have five services. Uh, we generally invite our folks who come normally to consider coming on Saturday. Uh, it allows uh, a lot more room on Sunday. We usually have 12 or 1,300 people that come for Saturday Easter worship, and it's awesome. So I invite you to consider that. But whenever you want to come, uh, we'd love for you to go to prob.church slash Easter and just let us know which service you're coming to. It helps us, again, just prepare for the biggest day and the biggest weekend in the life of the church. We want you to invite your friends invite your neighbors. They don't have to sign up. We, you can bring anybody anytime they want to come. Uh, but for those who normally come, the registration helps us a bunch. Uh, some of you guys know that I write my sermons on Tuesday. That's just sort of the discipline that I have in preparing for Sunday. I've been writing, uh, been preaching nearly every week for nearly 20 years. And so uh, I, I am Probably not a surprise to you, it's my favorite thing that I get to do. And so uh, I wrote a sermon on Tuesday morning. I thought it was just fine. Uh, and uh, I went through the week. We do lots of things to prepare for Sunday, we prepare study guides, prepare the slides for the screen. Uh, we have a rehearsal on Thursday. All these things I hope you know is we're trying to, as best we can, eliminate as many distractions so that we can meet with Jesus on a Sunday morning. But as I got to the weekend, I had this sense that God was telling me to not preach that sermon that I wrote on Tuesday. And one of the things I really, really liked about the sermon that I wrote on Tuesday is that it was already written. That, that was one of my favorite things about it when God and I were having this conversation. I was like, I understand that you might want me to say something else, but I have one that's already done. It's in the, it's in the hopper. Um, but on Fridays, Rachel and I, uh, we take our Sabbath day, uh, a day for us to not work, um, coming out of a movement that's happening here at the church, and we rest, and we delight in God, and delight in the good things God has given us. And at the end of my Sabbath day, I just, I just felt a burden that I was supposed to say something else. And so I was actually in my truck, and I was like, okay, God, what, what do you got? And I had a pen. I didn't even have any paper to write it down on. I had a book in there that I was reading, and I wrote down this sermon on the back pages of, of the book. And so I share all that just to say uh, I believe that I have something that God wants me to say this morning. It's been a burden on my heart, and uh, it is for, uh, I, I felt like God was um, showing me that this word would be for those who are right now are experiencing suffering. And so if you're not experiencing suffering right now, I would invite you just to begin to pray for those who, who are in the room or online who might be. Just begin to pray that God uh, would speak to those who are hurting, those who are in pain. And so this message specifically, uh, um, what I felt like it was for those who are suffering, who have something that's been on you, a burden of your own, a pain of your own, uh, and you have prayed and asked God to take it away. You may have even pled with God to take it away. And the way that, that you have hoped that that prayer would be answered has not been answered. Okay. That's who this is for. And uh, I believe what I'm supposed to tell you today 
is that your suffering has a purpose. That your suffering has meaning. It's not meaningless. Christians don't suffer meaningless suffering. Not your cancer, not your heartache, not your grief, not your pain. It has a purpose. And so I'm talking to the one, you might say it like this, I'm talking to the one who might say, I can't see Jesus through my suffering. We've been talking about we wanna see Jesus for a month. I wanna see Jesus, I wanna see Jesus. And, and there are some of us who would say, I would like to see Jesus, but I can't see him through this, this thing, this thing that's on me, this thing that's weighing on me. And so uh, talking about suffering has a purpose. I wanna be careful to say, I'm not saying that I understand your suffering I'm not saying I understand the reason why you're suffering or that why God allows suffering. Like I said, I've been a pastor 20 years and I don't clearly have that one figured out. There's books and treatises and volumes written on why there would be suffering and why God would allow suffering. And so I don't really understand the why, but what I wanna talk to you about today is what I would call the where, the where of suffering. And, And the more I thought about it, often what we really need to know in our suffering is the where of it, not the why. And what I mean is, where is this going when you're in the midst of something? Like, where is this taking me? Where am I going to end up? And so I I thought about, I remember this time we lost our daughter, Lydia. Uh, This is a very uh, small example, but we we were at a, it wasn't small at the time, but we lost her at a water park in Destin. We were on summer vacation and we went to this big kahunas and we went to this uh, water park and we lost her. When we first got there, there was people everywhere. And, and so there was all these whys that we could have asked, like, why did we let go of her hand? And why were we focused on getting a, a, a chair rather than, you know, where our daughter was at? And, all, you know, and even why did Lydia walk away and all those kind of things. But why was not what was important in the moment. What was important was where? Where is she? Where are we going to find her? Where is this going? Where are we going to end up? And we did find her. And it turns out that the where was actually more important than the why. Some of y'all know that a couple of years ago, I had a major health event in my own life. And there were a lot of whys that we, were, that we would ask and were tempted to ask, you know, why did this happen? Why age 41? Why when this had never happened before? And all these kind of things. But, but actually what became more important was where? Where is this going? Where am I gonna end up? And another where that ended up being really important is where I was. I was at home, I was safe, I was loved by you all, by my family, the where within the why of suffering. And so that's, I think ultimately what we want in suffering is an answer to where's this going? Where's the end of it? The word purpose, I said there's a purpose to your suffering. The word purpose is not asking the question, why did this happen to me? The actual definition of purpose is the reason that something exists, the reason that exists. And what that is talking about is where it's going. A purpose is where you're going to end up. So I want to share with you uh, uh, four uh, things that are they're indicative of suffering for those who follow Christ, okay? The first is this. It is inevitable, okay? Suffering is inevitable. If you follow Christ, you are going to suffer. Sometimes after uh, we uh, baptize someone, you know, a, a big person who's made their profession of faith, I'll be tempted to call them this week and say, uh, call them the week after their baptism and say, how bad is your week going? Mm-hmm. Why? Because with Christ, when we follow Christ, we take up a cross, and there's suffering that's involved. And our enemy's best tactic is to steal our joy. And so when great things happen, sometimes the first thing that happens is something that hurts and something that begins to take away our joy. So if you follow Christ, suffering is inevitable. It is also momentary, which means that it has an end. 
It is also light in comparison to something that's coming. It doesn't feel light, but it is light in comparison. And it is meaningful. Meaningful. So the purpose of suffering with Christ, three things, has a current reality. So there is something that's happening in the moment. There's a purpose in the moment of your suffering. The purpose of suffering with Christ has a future liberation. And the purpose of suffering with Christ has an eternal glory. Now, that sounds like a bunch of church talk, you know, something that a pastor would want to say. I'm not sharing this because I have some big, you know, overarching thing that I want to say. I'm talking about it because I think it practically means something for our lives. We celebrated the lives uh, and laid to rest two of our beloved church members this week, Charlie and Darlana. And in my opinion, this year we've had way too many people connected to our church family who passed away, in my opinion. (laughs) This week, we've had church members who have major tests that are done, medical tests, and are awaiting the results over the weekend. (laughs) This week, we've had folks who are are dearly loved by this church and go to church here who've slipped back into depression when they thought that they were out. (laughs) And all of a sudden, it's like, I'm back right in the pit. We've had folks that I know that have gone right back into the grips of anxiety when it looked like they were making headway. And so I'm not trying to be a downer today. But I need to tell you the purpose of your suffering so that you can live within it with meaning, with joy, inexpressible power, so that you can walk through an inevitable situation where there will be grief and loss and pain. And you can not just make it, but you can be looking with hope and confidence to the future God has. So this current reality, what is the current reality of your suffering? Paul tells us in Romans 5, he says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, Perseverance, character, and character, hope. First, what I want you to see is that word produces, where it says suffering produces. There's something being produced. That is evidence that suffering holds meaning. It doesn't just say, like, you know, you know, suck it up and get through it. It says, no, the suffering's doing something. It's achieving something. It's producing something. What does it produce? Perseverance. You learn to persevere. You learn endurance. You learn the ability to make it from suffering. You won't find anybody tough, anybody who can endure, who has not suffered. The strongest have suffered the most. And then that perseverance produces character. That's what makes you have character, have integrity, have the ability to be obedient to God, even through hard things. You know, oftentimes we want our kids to have character, right? To be people of strong character. But we also want to shield them from everything that would make them suffer, right? And I don't don't have this one figured out. I'm just kind of working it out with you. But it's like, it's interesting. We want our kids to have integrity, have character, be able to face hard things. But we're going to do everything we can to keep them from it, you know? And we know some of us who our kids are getting older, it's like it's only them going through their own suffering and their hard things that will steal in them perseverance and character. Now, some of us, if you're like me, you might say, I will skip perseverance and character if I don't have to suffer, <laughs> you know? You can have, somebody else can have those things. But look what it says it produces next. The character produces hope. So we can't skip those things because you cannot live without hope in this world. The world that we're in right now, you've got to have hope. So the current reality of your suffering is that it's actually doing something. It's producing something. Perseverance is being taught to your soul. Your character is being formed, and hope is being produced. 
You can't live without hope, and hope comes through the suffering that you're in. So that's some of the meaning. That's the current work that's doing. But there's also a future liberation. Listen to this a little bit later in Romans. Paul says, I consider, Paul's just the person who wrote Romans. He says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. He says, the thing that we're going through right now can't even compare to the thing that's coming in the future. And then Paul begins to talk about how all of creation is longing for God to come. It's actually groaning, not just us in flesh and blood, but like the trees and the earth, that the all of creation is looking forward to something. He goes on to say that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay. That's what's happening everywhere. We're all falling apart, okay? From its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. So there's this great promise in our suffering. Paul says, realize the present hard thing that you're going through cannot compare with the glory that is to come and creation is longing for one day a liberation, a a bringing into a new freedom. So if we ask, where is this suffering leading me? It's leading us to a future freedom. In Christ, every pain that you have will be healed. In Christ, every chain that holds you back will be loosed. In Christ, every dark corner one day will have light shown on it. There is future liberation through the bondage-breaking power of Jesus Christ who went to the cross and shed his blood for the forgiveness of sins and died and was resurrected from the grave. What does that mean? Your suffering is not meaningless. You are joining in all of creation, which is leading to the liberation of the whole earth in the whole world. I know it's kind of big and cosmic, but there's more. These eternal glory that God is leading to. Some of you are like, I don't really care that much about eternal glory, you know, pastor. You can worry about that. I'm not really worried about eternal glory. My back hurts, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, I get that. Sometimes our suffering is just like, man, you know, it's cool you're talking about all that stuff, eternity and all that, but my back hurts. And so I'll leave that to God. I'll leave eternal glory. So just hear me out for a moment. I think that this eternal perspective has big time ramifications for right now, maybe even for your back, okay? So hang in there. This is what 2 Corinthians chapter four says, Paul talking again. He says, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. When we hear this, we say, Paul does not know my life because my troubles are not light and they are not momentary. But all momentary means is that it is going to end. It's not permanent. It will not last. Whatever you're suffering right now is not your permanent destination. Light, we think that's a strange word for pain. Pain in its essence is is considered, it feels heavy. But what he's saying is momentary and light are in comparison with what is to come, where we are going. And the troubles are achieving for us. Look at it again. That's another way of saying producing. Achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. It's achieving something. It doesn't say, notice that it doesn't say that our, after our troubles, there will be some good things. Our troubles are going to be followed by eternal glory. Pastor John Piper has some great things to write about uh, suffering. He says that would be good enough, right? It would be good enough if we just knew, man, I'm going through really hard stuff right now and there's something good coming. It doesn't say it's just followed by it. It says it's producing it. 
The suffering you're in is achieving something for it. And most of us probably kind of believe that, right? That there's, there's good stuff coming on the other side. But what this is saying is what you're going through right now has purpose. It's achieving something for you. It's producing glory. And it's why our enemy can never win. That's why our enemy can never win. As there is more brokenness, as there's more suffering, it means there's more glory that is being achieved for God. The enemy can never win. If suffering was meaningless, then he would have it all over us. And that's what happens when we're in the pit, when we're depressed, when we're in a dark place. Our suffering feels so meaningless. And we even say that sometimes. This this is meaningless. It It holds no purpose. But... That's why we teach and we preach this word to ourselves over and over to say, no, it's light and momentary in comparison with what God is doing. It's achieving for us in a glory, an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. But any of us who are honest would say, okay, great, but I'm not seeing it, right? I'm just suffering. I'm not seeing it exactly. Listen to what Paul says. He says, that's why we fix our eyes not on what we can see, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And that's why we're here, guys. That's why we're here. So that we can practice and get our eyes looking on the things that we can't see. What we're normally going to see is what we can see. But spiritual people seek to have spiritual eyes. And that's why we're here. It's why you're here to have this reminder. It's why we'll sing these songs of glory. It's why we'll pray the Lord's Prayer for a thousand times over and over. So that we'll remember that there is a bigger thing that is happening. We don't come here to hear, you know, great sermons that were written on a Tuesday. Or just to get a positive outlook for the rest of the afternoon. It's so that we'll begin to look to see more than what is just temporary. And if you're like me, this leads to a question of like, okay, fine, then what do I do? And here's what Paul says. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart. That's what I want you to hear today. It's like, okay, well, then what do I do? What's the practical application? Don't give up if you're in the pit right now. Don't lose heart. Don't let your heart die. Wake up, O sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Do not lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away. Some of you feel this right now. I feel like outwardly I'm wasting away, but inwardly, as spiritual beings, we are being renewed day by day. Jesus gives us the example for this because Jesus is not a Jesus that we can just say, I can't see him through my suffering. Instead, Jesus is saying, you see me in your suffering with you in your suffering. In Jesus' greatest moment of suffering, it says he went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And then he goes to a deeper place. It says he takes Peter, James, and John, his best friends, along with him, and he begins to be deeply distressed and troubled. This is Jesus, deeply distressed and troubled. And he prays. He says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Jesus saying, I'm so sad that I feel like I'm dying. And so he says to his friends, stay here and keep watch. And then he goes just a little bit further and he falls to the ground and prays that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Some of you know Jesus' prayer. Here's what he prays. He says, Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me yet not what I will, but what you will. Jesus prays, the word Abba, the best translation we have is just daddy. 
Daddy. I was trying to think, when did I stop saying Daddy to my dad? At some point, I, I know I called my mom Mommy, but I hung it up, probably like in middle school or something like that, you know? She would let me say it, but I haven't said it in a long time. What led Jesus to say, Daddy, his pain, and his understanding that God would meet him in his most desperate moment. And so Jesus begins to give us a picture of the intimacy, the closeness that we can have with God in our deepest, deepest struggle. He says, Daddy, everything is possible for you. That's what some of us have been praying and saying. We believe, God. We believe for it. We know you could take it away. And that's literally what Jesus says. He says, so take this cup from me. How many of you have prayed that prayer in some way? Right? Would you take this thing away? I need you to, God. It's my deepest desire. And you pray that prayer, and you're still holding the cup. Well, Jesus shows us the next movement of prayer in that moment, and he says, okay, yet, 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 not what I will, but what you will. We wonder, why would God let his son suffer? The suffering must hold purpose. God would not let his son suffer a meaningless suffering. He endures the suffering Jesus does. He perseveres through the suffering that was before him. Why? Because there was glory that was set before him on the other side. The purpose in the suffering. There's a scripture I learned when I was younger. Uh, it's in Hebrews, and it's talking about all these people who've had great faith but have suffered so desperately. Hebrews chapter 11. It's called the chapter of faith. But when you read it, it's like, sounds like the chapter of suffering. It talks about all the things they faced, all the, all the, um, the fights they, they were in, all the jails they were thrown in, all the lashes they received, all these things. And then it says, uh, it kind of turns in chapter 12, and it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of people who have suffered, right, like for us, our, our Charlie's and Darlana's, that their deaths are not meaningless. They now have become this cloud of witnesses. That's what Hebrews chapter 12 says. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, what do we do? Let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us. And listen, it says, and let us run how? With perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, not on what we can see, but in our race, knowing that other people have gone through what we're going through, and they're surrounding us, and we're throwing off the things that we can throw off. We're persevering through it. Our character is being formed. Hope is being stilled in us. We fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, the, the, the pioneer and the finisher of our faith, the one who is before all of our suffering and the one who will be on the other side of it. We fix our eyes on him, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, 
and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. What did Jesus have before him in the suffering? There was joy that was set before him. And in our suffering, guys, we learn perseverance, how to make it through. We don't lose heart and we persevere because there's joy that is set before us. The way we truly follow Jesus, the world won't tell you this, okay? The way we truly follow Jesus is on the road of suffering. My friend Eric Reed is the pastor of Journey Church in Lebanon. And I watched his son Caleb uh, grow up. We both planted churches in this county at the same time. And a couple years ago, his teenage son Caleb passed away. He died way too young. And Eric and his wife Katrina, as they've walked through grief, they do this thing a few times a year where they regularly host parents who have lost children. They had one just a couple weekends ago. And he calls these groups, they come, they just spend the weekend at, at Eric and Katrina's house, and he calls these groups, he calls them hopeful sufferers. <laughs> hopeful sufferers. You cannot deny the grief of a parent who has lost a child. They're a sufferer, but they are holding hope within it. If you're looking for a life with no suffering, you can pretend that for a while, but it just doesn't exist. But with Jesus, the suffering is producing within us the strength of perseverance, character, and hope. It is showing us that there is a future liberation. You're going to be free from it. We're all going to be free from it, all of creation one day. And ultimately, there's glory, eternal glory, which is eternal joy. Amen.